What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 101 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, our 2021 is off to a great start, and I just want to stop and say thank you. Thank you to all of you who listen. Thank you to all of you who go and leave a review or leave a rating. It means a ton. We just received from BW241. It's so great to have this podcast. Many times I'm able to apply nuggets to life within minutes of hearing it. I have the pleasure of knowing Mike, participating in a leadership group with him. Whether it's a sermon, a podcast, small group, or personal discussion, he always has a way to leave you with something you needed to hear. There is no doubt he's opened his heart and Christ is doing a great work through him. He's the real deal. Man, thank you so much, BW. 241. That means a ton. And it, it just means a ton that anybody would take time to listen. And I pray that from our time with each other, we all leave better. We all leave stronger. So thank you so much. If you are enjoying this podcast, please do leave a rating and a review. It does help others find our uh, find their way to us. Well, today I get to sit down uh, with another guest who it is their second time, just like Molly Fletcher but when they're good, they're good, and you just keep going back to them. Today, I get to sit down with Randy Gravitt. Randy is an incredible leader. He's been leading out over 30 years. Uh, he works with teams. He works with businesses. He works with individuals. The key to it, Randy has the ability to leave everyone he meets a little bit better. Through his company, Integrate Leadership, they have worked with such notable groups as Kroger Arrow Exterminating, Grand Hyatt, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Buffalo Bills, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Chick-fil-A, among many, many others. And Randy just brings the goods. And man, he's just one of those people. He's just such a delight to be with. He has a brand new leadership podcast, the Randy Gravitt Leadership Podcast, where he is teaching and growing and interviewing. But today... Today's a day that you're going to leave a little bit better. Today's a day that we're going to take some of Randy's teachings and we're going to dive a little bit deeper. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're doing. I want you to take out something to write on, take out something to thumb some notes into. And I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Randy Gravitt. Well, Randy, thank you so much for giving me another shot to be on Lynch with the Leader. It's great to have you back again, buddy. I can't believe I get to be on for the sequel. This is this is so much fun for me. So thank you for, for I'm really honored that you'd have me a second time. I, what, I love what you do. 
Well, here, here's the crazy thing. I'm just glad I was able to fit you in between weddings and, and big events in your life. You're you're living in a crazy season in the Gravit household. Tell everybody a little bit about that. Totally. We you know, Not only a global pandemic has been going on uh, lately, but we've got four daughters uh, that are grown now, but two were married, two have decided to get married uh, in the middle of this craziness this last year. So it's been, uh, it's been, it's been crazy. And then not to be outdone, one of the ones who was married decided that they would have a baby. And so we've got our first grandchild on the way as well. So it's been a <laughs> pretty, pretty busy time for, uh, for our family trying to uh, dance around all this stuff. Well, here's the thing. So you wear a lot of hats, but that hat as a dad, I know is one of your, what are your favorite hats? What's it felt like to be that father walking your daughter down the aisle. I haven't been there yet. So this is, you're, yeah. you're, you're coaching me up a little bit. You're walking your daughter down the aisle and, and that season is now changing. How, what's that been like for you as a dad? It's, it's been so cool to, to watch them. Thankfully, all four of these girls have grown up and, and they walk with God. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a verse in the Bible that says there's no greater joy than to know that your children are walking in the truth. John wrote. And, and honestly, to see them now become adults and and really start their own families, it's been it's been so much fun, so great, but challenging in that uh, you have to remember that you raise them not to keep them but to let them go. And so mm-hmm. I've been learning a lot about letting them go. Uh, in fact, Mike, I had I had a conversation. Uh, one of the weddings was two weeks ago, and the and the week leading up to the wedding with our baby Catherine, I I there was this moment we had this last. I, I guess you'd call it our, one of our last conversations before this wedding. And I pulled her aside and I, and I was just so um, overwhelmed really with this fact that here, I, I don't know if it was the baby or whatever, but yeah. you know, she's growing up and going out. And, and, and I told her, uh, I said, I, I want you to know that I, I, I mean, I really felt this way that, that I have spent a lot of time parenting you, maybe too much time parenting you and not enough time seeing you. And and it was just this moment where I just could see her really maybe in a fresh way than I ever have. You know, she's just graduated from college and, and they're getting ready to take on the world. And, and I told her, I said, I want you to know, I see you right now. And, and boy, I just, I had such a great week with her. And uh, I mean, we've had great years. It's been fantastic, but just to see her in, in a fresh way as an adult and to walk her down that aisle, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. So I, I bet. So are you and your wife ready for this new season? Are y'all ready yeah, we're, for we're this ready whole new a, part? We're ready to get them all four off the payroll. That's what we're <laughs> ready for. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting to, to see them grow up and, you know, do their thing. So they've, they've all chosen great guys. It's been, been cool. And, and so- we're getting ready, getting ready for this grandbaby to come. I mean, you know, we're going to be grandpas. I, everybody I've talked to that's, that's kind of in that season tells me that that's better than being a parent. So I'm looking that's, forward to that. That's what, I, that's what, ever, that's what everybody's, have you got your name picked out? Do you know what you want to be called yet? I'm, I'm actually going to be Randad is what they're, they're, they're telling me, but they also tell me that whatever the baby calls you, that's what you'll be. So that's what you're going to be stuck with. That's right. So you're going to have think, to do, think, you're going to have to do a lot of, you have to put some headphones on the baby just to get that stuck in their brain. Exactly. But I think, I think we're going to go with Randad's what, what we've all decided. So that is that. so, that is so good. So here we are, you, you, you have been coaching leadership working with some incredible companies, sports organization from the Bills to the Pirates, so many great sports teams. 
this season that we're walking through now, did you ever dream in your lifetime you would watch anything like this be lived out? No, not not really. I mean, you you could, you know, you, you just really couldn't believe that that things could change so quickly. And it it really was um it, it, it just was unprecedented just to see kind of things. In fact, my mom is 80. And she and I had a great conversation about this a few weeks ago. And, and mom said, you know, born in the depression, the whole thing. And, and like never saw anything like this in her whole lifetime. And you think about all the things that have changed over the last 80 years. And she said, this is just crazy, you know, how it's been. So there, there is a lot of disruption, a lot of chaos for sure. And, and no, I couldn't have, have pictured it, but I will say this. I think that it has, uh, just raise my appreciation for the importance of leadership mm. uh, even more. It, it's it's just it's just been it's just put it back on the table again that when things are well led they're okay and when they're not uh, we struggle. And I think one of the things that's been so frustrating is that you look around and there's just so many places where you see that that there's a lack of leadership and which is job security for a guy like me to to hopefully be able to help people grow some leaders, grow a leadership culture, all those things. But you look at these, you know, education and politics and the sports world and the media, and you just feel, you know, the church world, you, you fill in the blank and all around people are struggling to have enough leaders to help them navigate this because people need, you know, they need really some clarity around what's going on right now. So, um, yeah, it's just raised the, my appreciation for what it means when you have a really great leader. So, so as you have looked at even companies you work with and just been an observer of leadership, what have the, what have people done, the great leaders, what have they done well during this time? And what are things that some average leaders or now their leadership maybe has been exposed? What have they not done well? What would you say? I think one of the the things that some have done well is they have really tried hard to assess and discern what's going on with their people. And, mm-hmm. and, and I have heard leader after leader after leader talk about the, the good leaders talk about the importance of communicating what you do know. And, 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 and it being okay to say, I don't know this, but, but I still want you to know that I don't know it. And, and we're going to navigate this together. And, and there's just something that has created stability in some of these companies. Another thing is I've heard, you know, three or four people have told me that they are resourcing their people a little bit differently. Obviously people have gone home and, you know, I've heard of a, a, a couple of leaders that told me they're, they're buying their people flip charts and office chairs and things that, you know, obviously you're, you're putting a, maybe a strain on them and trying to help them navigate some childcare issues and elderly care even. I mean, it, it's, it's been incredible to hear some of those stories. So I think the best leaders, you know, I don't know that, that a pandemic changes this, but they always have a vision. They always understand the importance of their people. They're, they're really good with communicating with their people, what they know and what they don't know. They listen to their people because their people oftentimes are thinking about things. You know, you just think about the levels of an organization. There are people that are having different levels of struggle right now. And and everybody's challenged, but there are some people that are way more challenged than others during this thing. And, and and then, you know, again, resourcing them, making sure they have what they need to be able to, to do what they need to do. And um, it, it, it has been interesting to see some companies have pulled the workforce back 
are earlier than others. Some have kind of been in the middle that are still really not back, about to go back maybe. And, and then there are others that are saying they won't go back until, you know, the middle of 21. And so it's, it's, uh, th- there's no right answer to the test. It's, 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 it's almost like Mike, when we were kids, you know, you hated the pop quiz. I did. I mean, I don't know about <laughs> you, but this is like the ultimate pop quiz, right? But that's right. But it's also, uh, I, I told my daughter who was planning this first wedding, our baby, I said, you also have the ultimate permission slip right now. It's, it's, you know, I always like the permission slip. Can I go to, can I go to the you know, locker room or the restroom or can I get out of class for a few minutes? The permission slip was cool uh, because it, it gave you permission to do whatever you need to do. And I think for leaders right now, this thing has been the ultimate permission slip because people know that, that, that you're going to try some things. And if you're ever wanting to innovate or do something new, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say we're going to live in a totally different world than we did, but, but we are going to live in a much different world than we did. It may, again, it may not be totally different, but there, there's going to be a lot that's going to be different. And so the, the leaders that are able to reinvent themselves and, you know, and, and their people, they seem to be handling this pretty, pretty well. And the ones that aren't, you know, they're, they're change averse all the time. They're, they're struggling. Yeah. And I love the vision piece. And I think the hardest part for a leader during this time is how do I have vision when I don't know? And I think I know Christine Kane wrote a post recently and she said, I've said the words I don't know more in 2020 than I've ever said them in my life. And I think every leader has. How do you keep vision? What would you what would you tell a CEO or an athletic director or a principal or a leader in a company about keeping vision when everything is so murky and unclear? What would you say? Yeah, I, I would say uh, you've got to think through what you're um, what you're trying to accomplish. Mm. I mean, I, I believe my it may be the greatest leadership question in the world. What what are we trying to accomplish? It's it's just it cuts through everything and it reminds me. Okay, here's what we're really trying to do. And if you're trying to grow an organization, if you're trying to maintain an organization, if you're trying to survive as an organization during this. You got to you got to think through what are you trying to do and align toward that. Secondly, and and not necessarily less important, but but right underneath that, I would go back and review my values mm. because I think your values, uh, when the squeeze is on, who you are is what comes out. So if you're really about customer service, or if you're about you know excellent production, or if you're at, whatever it is you're about, you've got to be able to. Uh, recalibrate often on those values and just say, okay, here's how that gets lived out. It's a different context now than it was, but if you're, you know, if, if excellence is your goal or, or not your goal, your value, or if, if um, you know, you're, you want to be a, a, a people centered organization, if people all of a sudden aren't coming to you, you got to go to them. I got a, I got a friend here, actually they catered our wedding. Uh, <laughs> they have, they have a, a, a a bank shop here down in Sharpsburg where I live and they had, uh, obviously it was closed down. Nobody was coming. And so they had a food truck that they, they, they weren't using it, but they had a food truck. And so these guys literally wrapped this food truck, you know, with logos and all kinds of stuff. And they start making these donuts and they, they literally do this donut drop and they were, they were doing six, 700 dozen donuts a day. They're going to all these neighborhoods Good night. and they're taking the resources from that and giving a lot of it away, but they're also, it, it saved their business. He told me, 
And now they have discovered that they, they're, they're still in the bakery business, but, but they are really in the donut business now. And he's even talking about, you know, extending that vision to some other locations. And so I think his willingness to try something when it was up against the wall, it has just opened up a pipeline and it's going crazy. They got donuts everywhere, man. It, it that was, is crazy. It's wild, but, but it's that, it's that kind of thing to say, we're going to, we're going to be people centered. If people aren't coming to us, we've got to go to them because we're still driven by this value. We're trying to serve people. And so that would be one example. But I, I think, I think, you know, again, what am I trying to accomplish and yeah. what are my values? And if I can lock in on those things, it, it I think it, uh, those values to me, they provide that stability in the midst of chaos, right? I mean, they're, they're almost like a buoy in the, you know, if you go into a lake or an ocean, that buoy never goes under, but it does, it, it, it does bounce at times if it gets stormy enough. And right now it's pretty stormy, but, but, you know, if you don't have those values locked in, you don't know what your vision is. You can, it, it can really sink you right now. Boy, that's so, and I love the clarity of that because I think the danger is you get in the mist and you get in the fog and then you start going, oh my God, and then you panic. And then your leadership starts trying things that you don't need to be into rather than going back to, these are the things we know we're about. That's really good. Boy, that's really good. You know, I know you work from Chick-fil-A, you're huge with Chick-fil-A and Mark Miller and those guys, to Eric's Terminators. I know that you were just with, you work with professional teams. What are, what are things these guys, even though their industries are very different, what mm-hmm. are the core competencies they have in common? What would you say? Well, one of the things they all have in common is that they are passionate about growth and, and creating mm-hmm. a growing culture. And uh, in fact, Mark uh, it, it, Miller is the one who first said this to me. I think he got it from Dan Cathy 40 years ago. Mark was he shared with me one time, he was not, he's not by nature a learner. If you did the strengths finder, he said, you know, learner will be somewhere near the bottom of his list. But when you get around Mark, you realize this guy is one of the best learners maybe in the world. I mean, he is so passionate about learning. And, and when we talked about that, he said, Dan told him 40 years ago, they're both young guys at the time, just kind of starting out at, at Chick-fil-A. And, and Dan said to Mark, he said, Mark, you got to grow. He said, your capacity to grow determines your capacity to lead. Mm. And, and I think one of the things that, um, you know, just, uh, I was, I was just with these guys from arrow, all their leaders. And, and, and I was just so fascinated that in the middle of chaos, they're saying, we're going to double down on developing our people. We're going to double down on, on creating a growth event in their case, it was a virtual event, but they said, we're going to, we're not going to pull back right now. We're going to actually try harder to develop our people. And I, and I think about other organizations, you mentioned the bills, uh, I was just with them the month before this thing hit, and we had a great day with all their coaches and Coach McDermott and all, all those guys. It was it was fantastic. Well, this hits, and they're unable to pull anybody in. To, yeah. You know, but, I mean, the, the facility basically is closed down for a few months, and then you know the season going without fans, all all kind of things. It's it's just you can imagine the chaos. But they are still committed to learning, and you know we've had some we've had some conversations with some of the coaches on the phone. I mean, you, you, you still have to utilize what you do have at your disposal. So this, this commitment to growth, I think is one of the things that, that keeps people, um, able to, to handle what's going on. But again, I would go back and most of these, these organizations that are doing really well, they're still true to their values. They're still trying to chase high performance. I mean, mm. it, it, it may look different, you know, it's, 
But at the same time, they understand they're in business to get results and to win or whatever it is, if it's a team. Um, there are schools that we, we that we're talking to that they're still challenged with how do we educate children? We, mm. we you know, I was, I was reading a, a few weeks ago, this guy was talking about, you, you can't, you can't take a, a, a swath of third and fourth graders and put them on hold for a year because that's really the year that their reading becomes fluent. That's right. And so if you, if you don't become a really fluent reader as a third and fourth grader, uh, studies show that, you know, 30 years from now, you'll still be struggling to, to be a good reader and, and so many things will be affected. And so you, you just imagine these, these school systems that, that there's a lot on the line for these kids. And so these principals and, and teachers are, are really trying to navigate. I mean, they're the heroes really in a lot of ways of, of this as much as anyone. And then you got all these healthcare people that are trying to navigate things. And so um, I, I think just, again, staying true to your values, saying I'm going to be a person of growth, saying we're going to be people-centered, those yeah. kinds of things. The companies and, and churches and buildings, you know, whatever, organizations that are doing those things, they're the ones that seem to be thriving right now. And and the ones who um, are listening to the outside voices and they don't really have these uh, these foundations in place, you know, the pillars that, that they were built on, they seem to be the ones who are struggling from my yeah. perspective. You know, it's, it's funny because you, you're talking about those companies and they all are so different till you get behind the curtain and then you mm-hmm. get behind the curtain where, where the donuts are made and you're like, yeah, they're, they're doing different things, but right. they're all about the same things. You made a statement on Sam Collier's show and I love Sam and you did a fantastic yeah. with Sam and, and you made a, a statement. I thought it was really good. Leaders that last aren't built fast. Yeah. Why are we seeing now? leaders that uh they they're getting weathered they've been weathered and now they're weathering this storm why why is that statement so true i I, i'm yeah i need to write a book on this but i i I so believe that greatness is built in what i call the mundane middle it's Mm. just this the middle of of things is where you win Think about it, Mike, the middle of a, of a football team, what happens on that line of scrimmage, you can have all the divas you want catching passes and throwing passes or whatever. But if you don't have a line that controls the middle, you're in trouble. Uh, The same thing is true on a baseball field, the middle infielders, the center fielder, the pitcher, the catcher, those four or five guys that you win, you, you win, you build a team through there. You, you, you're going to be a really competitive team. Not that other guys don't matter, but, but, the middle you think about your life you think about your leadership we love beginnings we love opening day of baseball I mean we you know we love that we love the first day of school you know for me it felt like every day went downhill after the first day, the first day <laughs> I agree me you know, we would have gotten along well in school there's well, no doubt about that box, you know and I'm you know getting on the bus and the hell, I mean it felt good the first day but I love that, it I'm like oh my god first day of practice always fun you, you know you're but you're four and six and, and not, you know, you're kind of struggling. You're going, ah, it's not so much fun anymore. So we love the beginning. We love the endings. We love, we really love endings, right? The, you know, in your, your world, your people probably love the end of a sermon. I don't yep. know. They probably don't love the end of your sermon. They probably love the whole thing, you know, but if you get a bad sermon, you got the ending. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. The last oh, day yeah. Of school. <laughs> Think about the last day of school or graduation day or, or for me and, and Laura as parents, you know, wedding day, it's kind of the last day. And, and so, 
these endings are celebrations or all this. And, and I learned this really from watching my dad. He, before he died, I had a great conversation with him about his career. He worked with Georgia power for 35 years. And he, uh, he, he told me he, he, he was, uh, he played professional fast pitch softball. He was a, he was a really good ball player had been drafted or, or not drafted, but had been, uh, yeah, drafted in the Cardinals organization, turned it down, marries my mom. He's from a little small town up Calhoun, up, you know, north of where you yep. are. And, and he goes to work in a, in a, in a carpet mill as a professional, basically he gets paid and he's, they have those carpet leagues back in the day. And so they play in this ball and, and so he does that for three or four years and, he gets a call from Georgia power and he told me that he was, he was, you know, not making very much money playing ball. <laughs> He's just, you know, yep. basically they're marketing for these carpet mills and he gets a call from Georgia power and they, they, they hire him to be a helper in the line crew. And so I'm like, what does a helper do? And he said, anything the line crew doesn't want to do. That's what the help wow. is. He, he's digging poles with, you know, post hole diggers and, and the whole thing, you know, and, and he, he, in 1960, he goes from there to 1995. I, I wouldn't even have seen in 1960, but in 95, I was there at his retirement party. And he's the, he's the area manager for all of Northwest Georgia at the time. And he had a great job, really had built an incredible career. But, it, but as, we, as we celebrated that day, you know, all his friends are around, all his coworkers, his family. It's just a great party. You know, we're having all these stories. There's tears. Everybody's hugging. The, the last day was great. He said the first day was unbelievable. He said, I couldn't believe I had this job and I was working for this great company. But his legacy was not built on the first day or the last day. I think it was built on all those mundane days in the middle. That's, that's what, I, what I tell people. It's, it's that, you know, for that baseball team that thinks that, you know, we missed the playoffs by one game, the third Thursday in June was pretty important. Yeah, or the that's second, right. You know, the second game of a doubleheader in July, it means just as much as the last game in September. And so I, I think leaders underestimate how being great in the grind is, is mm -hmm. just so vital. And so when I say leaders that last aren't built fast, they're, they're really built in that mundane middle. They're built in, 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 in the, the hard times as much as, I mean, anybody can, lead when things are rolling but when things are hard that's when you have to show up and and put the hat on and say okay I'm, I'm i'm here you know i'm not checking out because things are hard and when leaders do that man there's so much fun to follow and and i think the best teams are built over time it's mm -hmm. it's it's almost you know we've seen this through athletics the struggle of you get to the playoffs you get to the second round you get to the championship and it, it sometimes it takes a while to get to that mountaintop and then when you do you're going okay we know how to do this now but yep. but it was it was that uh, i don't know it was a journey i guess that that at the end that's what that's what means so much and when they look back honestly when they retire guys retire they they don't miss even the trophies as much as they miss the teammates and that's and, right. and the struggle in the middle you know that's that's what you really you know, that grind, that's what you appreciate when you get down the road and get a little perspective. When you get old like me, you start looking back and, and get through that stuff. So, so well, hopefully know, that, that gives some context. No, that. it does. And I think that's so good. And I think we underestimate, you know, we, we, we like quick products. We like quick leadership. We like for things to come together fast and for somebody to already be ready. I was at a conference a couple of years ago and a guy said, you know, if you're, and he was a pastor, he said, if you're a pastor in the room and you're under 30, don't tell me how to do it. 
just just mm-hmm. wait your time. You'll get mm-hmm. that chance. But he mm-hmm. said, I want to hear from people that have weathered the storms. They've mm-hmm. stuck in there when budgets weren't good and when things turned on them. In a lot, because here's the thing, every organization rises and falls on the leader. Totally. So, so goes the leader, so goes the team. I know you wrote a disillusioned leader is a dangerous leader. And boy, we're yeah. walking through a time. I think a lot of guys are disillusioned. Why are why is the leader so critical and vital to an entire team? Even if even if the organization massive and everybody doesn't have access to them, but yet they're the person, they're in charge. Why are they so vital to that team? Why is their health and not being disillusioned so big? It, it, it does go to that disillusionment. It does go to the way they think it, it, mm. it, it, and not just think, but, you know, how, what does the leader believe and how do they behave? And if you think about it, Mike, you, you think about any championship team that's won a Super Bowl or a NCAA championship, or you think about any classroom you were in where it was really a fertile learning environment. It was great. You think about any family that, that you look at that family and say, man, I, I like what's going on in that family. You think about any business that's really successful and you will always find at the front of the line a leader mm. who who is who is not disillusioned, who is literally grounded in reality. They know things are hard. Leadership's hard. I mean, it, it's just yeah. hard. It's sure. not easy at all. It is a struggle. It is a grind. But those teachers that that have those classrooms that are are good leaders, that's a fun class to be in. And if a teacher is checked out and they don't really care, you know, it's it's just so much uh, of an uphill struggle to get the students to care. I mean, it, it really does rise and fall on leadership. Like you said, if you if you have leaders that are engaged and who who are passionate about what they do and they're grounded, you're going to you're going to have a you're going to I mean, winners win. Don't they really That's right. about it. They really do. It's, it's just it's amazing. And and people who who get to a point where they're bored they're tired they're disillusioned they are that is a dangerous leader i believe i I think it's just you know because the the people that are watching them are going to suffer the effects of that disillusionment just as much as the leader is um so anyway i think i think that's that's the way i would answer that so your faith is just part of who you are i mean it's not there's there's Sunday Randy if he's preaching a sermon or leading a small group, and then there's Monday to Saturday Randy who does his own thing. How does your faith give you clarity as a leader? How does your faith not only drive who you are, but how does it give you clarity in being the best leader you can be? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I think um, seven, almost seven years ago, five and or let's see, six and a half years ago now, I, when I when I left the church world and I started my company, I was, um, and and I can even go back 30 plus years. I, my, it kind of went back when I, when I went to seminary, I got out there, everybody was either going to be a preacher or a, or a music guy at the time. I was like, I am not going to be a music guy. And I didn't feel called to be a preacher. I I, I just was like, so I, I felt like a duck out of water. I'm like, what am I doing here? But my theology of work and ministry began to be formed during those days. And here's what I came to believe. I believe, I believe scripture teaches this is that if we are, um, if we are believers in Christ, if we are followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, we are in full-time ministry. That's right. It doesn't matter if we, if we get a check from a church 
or from a, a, a restaurant or a, an accounting firm or a bank. It, it really doesn't matter where the check comes from. If, if we understand that God has put us in this world to, um, first of all, know him, but also to help other people and help remove those barriers so other people can know him, you know, proclaim him, however you want to say it. Uh, I think, I think it does bring a lot more clarity to our life it, that, that ministry, it, you know, if I think about Jesus, he was not on a church staff. He was not on a, you know, ministry to Jesus was the person in front of him. And it mm, really was. Mm. And, and so I can be, I can be a stay home mom or I can be a stay home dad, or I can be a, you know, a teenager in the ninth grade. It doesn't really matter wherever I am. If I'm a Christ follower, I have these opportunities that have been given to me all around me every day to add value to people. And so as I began to think that way, uh, it really helped me 30 years ago. And so when I left the church, the transition was, was somewhat easier because I knew wherever I go, you know, to answer your question, I was going to have an opportunity to add value to people. I'll, I'll, I'll say the second piece of this, though, uh, as it relates to what's going on in our world these last few months. When this thing first hit back last March, um, I, I was um, I was I, I was watching the news three or four days in a row, and I just you know you're getting all this stuff, and there's fear here and propaganda there, and I mean there's all kind of stuff going oh, on. Yeah. Then you hear this stuff, and that sounds pretty you know reliable, and you're going in. So I just find myself being sort of consumed with like all this noise, I'll call it. And uh, one of the things I like to do every morning is I like to I like to take you know some time, half hour, or sometimes even more, and just spend time uh, reading the Bible, hanging out with God, I would call it, and just just letting Him help recalibrate my heart. I I, I need that to help me with my perspective, so I don't become disillusioned. Because if I'm gonna try to add value people. I, I feel like I need to have something that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at a good spot. And so Mike, I'm sitting there one morning, maybe this is probably three or four days into this thing. And, um, I ran across this verse and I think it's Psalm. I need to look this up. I think it's Psalm 73, 28, but here's what the verse said. It said, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. Mm. And as I read that verse, um, it was, you know, I won't say God spoke to me, but but this is kind of how it, you know, revealed itself to me as, I, as I'm reading this. There was no audible voice or anything, but but it was as if God, you know, whispered to me the way things were three months ago when things were rolling. I mean, it was, it oh, was yeah. great. You know, it was really, it was red hot back last February. The way things were then, that was not your good. The way things might be, again someday that won't be your good the only thing that will be your good whether it's good or bad or the circumstances perceived you know up or down high or low the only thing that will be good is making sure you are centered and near to me because i love you i care about you and i can actually use hard stuff to increase your capacity later to help more people and 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 to be you know, buoyant yourself to go back to what we're talking about a minute ago to, to keep you afloat during all this and, and your family. So I think that was just to me, um, that was that was catalytic for me in this whole thing because you know, I it, it it just said, you know what, I don't need to listen to all this stuff, I don't need to watch all this stuff, I don't need to know what everybody else is saying. I just need to make sure that I am that I am thinking correctly, 
understanding that the only thing that matters in this world is that I'm living for the next world mm. personally. Now, again, there's a lot of people listening. That may not be the way you think that's okay. But for me to be true to, to what I believe it was, it was that, that the nearness of God would be my good. The way things were, weren't my good The way things might be. That's not going to be my good. The, the, the relationship I have with God, that's the only thing that will be my good. And when I, when I got to that point, I just said, you know, if something important happens, somebody around me is going to tell me and I'll, and, and I've heard more than I've, you needed to, you know, That's right. like totally in the dark, but, but I didn't have to go listening to all that stuff. I just, I just, and so I've tried to spend more time in scripture, more time reading books that are going old books that, you know, things really haven't changed a lot. You know, if you think yep. there've been challenges forever. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question, but, but that's kind of, for me, my faith has been the, the thing that, that has been, you know, really the, the most exciting part of this whole thing has been, I've had extra time to do some of those things that, that I didn't have enough or didn't take. And I probably had the time. I didn't take enough time before as much time before as I have during this. So it's been a really, in, in my mind, it's been a, it's been a positive part of this thing. I love, and I love that. And I love that, you know, for a, for a belief, I host a, and I think you know this, but a scouts coaches Bible study on Mondays yeah. on zoom and have a lot of your, well, a lot of mutual friends in that, in that study. But you, you get a guy who is grounded in their faith. There's a clarity they speak with and a confidence they speak with that. If you don't have it, then you, if you don't have that faith to go, you know what? I know this isn't the end. I know that I've got hope. I think it gives, I think it makes you, I think it makes you intriguing even for people who don't know. They don't, right. they don't, they don't understand. And I know also for you, Randy, that faith drives so much of what you're calling now. And I love this. And I can't wait to dive into this for a few minutes, five to nine leadership. You know, yeah. I think we've spent, most people have spent a lifetime looking at what happens between the hours of nine and five, or, you know, really probably even earlier nine and five, but you know, what happens in the marketplace and at home at, at before they get home, Talk to me about five to nine leadership. What What's your thought behind that? Yeah, I, I've, I'm uh, just kind of kicking off this new brand inside of that, that I'll call the the self leadership side. Everybody's talking about organizational effectiveness and growing results, and that's what we do. I mean, we help organizations grow leadership cultures and accelerate the results. It's so much fun to do all that. But but who's talking about the self leadership side? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you always heard when we were growing up and again, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but this whole nine to five, everybody talked about the nine to five grind. You got to go. Yep. And, and so I just saw, okay, who's talking about five to nine. I think what happens from five to nine, not just for your family, but from, from five to nine representing what happens outside of work is going to determine what's going to happen at work. It's going to determine how good you'll be at in your leadership role. If you want to think about it that way. What do you do to take care of your body? What do you do to take care of your relationships? What do you do to take care of your soul? Even if we go down the spiritual road, what do you, what do you do to take care of your, your marriage and your kids? And, and there's just so many things, your own personal growth and development. There's so many things that uh, a leader could focus on in order to position them to win at home. Cause here's, here's what I believe. I believe if you win at work and you lose at home, you still lose. That's right. I really do. I was having a, I was having a, uh, I was having a conversation with an NFL physician coach, and he had been a part of an organization that had won a Super Bowl. He played for a team that won a Super Bowl, and he he told me he said, when when the 
confetti's coming down and the trophy, you know, all the stuff's given out. As I'm looking over there at our coaches and I realize a lot of those guys had relationships that were broken apart that weren't really where they wanted to be. And he, he said, as I began to think about, do I want to be a coach? He said, I had to ask myself the question at what cost? Cause this guy mm-hmm. has two little daughters as well. And real, real, you know, young girls. And he said, he said, I, his question for me was, can you win at the game and still win at home? And I told him, I said, uh, his name's Ryan. I said, Ryan, I said, if you can't, if you can't win on the field and win at home, why would you want to coach? And he looked at me and he said, he said, you're right. He said, I, if I'm going to lose all that, that matters most to me and, and win something, that's really going to just collect dust. There's, there's a gap there. And so, I'm all about winning trophies. Yep. Like, you know, I, I love to win as much as anybody, but, yep. but if I'm losing what matters most, I'm not sure I can still define that as winning. And so my hope in doing this five to nine, I'm, in fact, I'm working on a book called leadership begins at home. I and that. I believe that the best leaders are the ones who understand, um, uh, I'll call it balance, but I want to define balance. A friend of mine told me one time, he said the the best definition of balance is learning to live in the center of tension. Yep. Yep. Balance is not like I've got it all together. Balance is there's tension. Work's pulling over here. My husband or wife is pulling over there. My kids need this. My finances are, you know, my body. I mean, all these things, there's always going to be tension, but understanding that, that it's my responsibility to lead myself to make sure that there is balance in the midst of that tension is what to me makes a leader uh, or positions a leader to live a high performance life, not just be a high performance leader, but to live a high performance life. And I think they go hand in hand for the, for the best of the best. So that's, that's my hope. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. And you know, you think about not um, leaders that I deal with, we're so intentional. Boy, our calendar from 6 a.m. till 5 p.m. is straight up, locked in, minute by minute. And the minute we get home, there's no calendar. It's just very unintentional. What would you challenge a leader to do who says, you know what, Randy's right. I want to be a leader at home. Where's a good starting place for them to become intentional to win at home? I'll just give you a couple of thoughts. I think the first thing I would encourage every single leader to do is it just what you just said about time, I think is so important is, is to win the first hour of the day. Mm. And um, if you, if you can win the first hour of the day and I'll let that leader define that. I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's not my place to say you need to, you know, read a book every morning or work out or go for a walk or, you know, pray a prayer of Thanksgiving. I, I, you get to decide what you, what winning the first hour means, but I'm going to make an assumption that checking emails or who tweeted you overnight, or, you know, did I get any text message while I was asleep? That's probably not what you're talking about being intentional. That's right. If I, if I say I'm going to take a book, uh, I've got a book that I'm reading right now. That's been a, <laughs> a little bit of a challenging book. And I'm just saying, I'm going to take a few minutes every morning and I'm going to read something through this. And I'm going to give myself permission to take six weeks if I need to. Because this, this book's, you know, it's, it's, it's got me thinking about some stuff. And, and so I, I need a little more time with that. Uh, do I need to work out for, you know, 15 minutes? I mean, again, I, a lot of guys are like, 15 minutes, that's not a workout. 
it's it's 15 minutes more than most of us who say I'm, I meant to work out or I'm going right. to work out. And then the next thing you know, the day's over, the kids are around, you know, your husband or wife shows up and dinner, what are we going? And then next thing you know, you're, you're having supper out of the sack, you know, yep. <laughs> that's just not, that's not going to, to ultimately lead to us uh, being um, fit to lead from a, from an energy standpoint, right. from, a, from an emotional again, buoyancy standpoint, what do you enjoy doing? I, I, I think, I think to have your favorite spot in your home on your porch, this is what I do. I go outside. I've got this porch. I sit out there. I've got a book. I've got a, a lot. I read a Bible every morning. I, I, I love to read the Bible. It, it just helps me to think about uh, things and keep things in perspective and reminds me that there, there's a God in the world and I'm not him. And yeah. <laughs> now, again, most people, they, they may get all that. That's great. But for me, I, there's some things I need to be reminded yep. of. And so I, I think if I could win the first hour of the day, that would be to me a, a starting place. Cause I like what you said that, that they just blow the calendar out the window. Yeah. I will say this. I think when I come home, I need to have some downtime. I need to have some good, um, you know, some space that would, that would actually be one of the things I think that keeps me healthy is to have, you know, do you have a hobby? Do you have something you enjoy doing? But, you know, uh, surfing Amazon or watching Netflix, probably not going to make you better. And so you want to probably limit some, there, there's probably some things like that. You want to limit what yep. you do. And then there's things that you want to say, I need to double down on that because that will actually make me a more brilliant leader. And I will say this, I think the timing of, of this, it, it's, it's been something that I've, uh, actually been, uh, I knew this was going to happen for the last three or four years, but, but the timing of this, um, this work right now, this five to nine and, and this book leadership begins at home, I think is pretty interesting because all of a sudden, a lot of people have found themselves at home more right. over the last year than they ever have before. Yep. And so how we lead at home even is, is is really important right now and there are more conversations and more opportunities to you know rub shoulders with your kids and and you know talk to your spouse and communicate about things maybe even um there's there's um some things that you can do to to help others who are in need right now together as a family that that are that are vital so i i think um i think i think it's timely but but i would say to people when the first hour of the day and then it would say win every day. You know, Mark yep. just wrote a book called Win Every Day. It's about executing. And he and I have done a bunch of resources off that. We've been teaching that to companies on excelling at execution. But but I like that. Uh, I think Pete Carroll, uh, what's his, what's his uh, he had a book called Win the Day or, or yep. Win Forever. I, I can't remember. But, but I like that mindset that you're going to show up and you're going to dominate the day if you can. And um, there, there are places where, in your life right now, if you're not careful, you'll compare yourself to others who are struggling and think you're doing okay. And, and to me, the best leaders um, take this the right way, but they run up the score yeah. when they can control things. They really you're do. Right. They dominate the controllables. They don't just try to control the control. They dominate where they can, can dominate. And, and I mean that in, in love. I, I'm not, I mean, it's, you're not, you know, there's no, no score I totally, I totally, well, but, I mean, I either we're playing to win or playing to lose. One of the two. We are. I mean, we yeah. are. And if, and if I can control whether I go for a walk every day or not, and I don't do it, that's on me. I can't. Yeah. I can't blame somebody else, or you know, that I didn't do what I, that I know I can do. You know, so 
anyway, those are those are just a couple of thoughts to start with. Well, I love that. And we'll have links to the book when it comes out. We'll also have a link to the new podcast, which I love. That'll be a must listen podcast. You know, I'll, I'll ask this as a wrap up question here. You've walked your girls down the aisle, you're getting ready to be a granddad. You have hundreds of thousands of people who know Randy Gravit. You've stood on massive platforms. You have written tons of great books. You are internationally known as a leadership expert. But yet, in that time, you have put together a resume of leading at home. You have four daughters who chose for you to walk them down the aisle. They didn't have to do that. They chose for you to walk down the aisle. They're going to tell your grandchildren stories about their dad, their granddad. What do you hope they say when they're, when your, your daughter is having the little one and she's talking about Randad and she's telling him those stories, her little one, those stories, what do you hope they say about you as a leader at home? I hope they say two things that one, he was a man of integrity. Uh, There's three things, actually. He's a man of integrity, um, that he was a faithful man to our mom. Um, and and then I hope they say he finished well. Um, I, I, I heard Andy Stanley say recently that it's not our finest hour, but our final hour that we will be judged on. And Mark Miller and I are having a conversation a few weeks ago, and he's he's got just a few years. He'll he'll retire from Chick Fil A mandatory retirement at, at sixty five. And and Mark was talking about uh, he's been there forty years. He he's just turned sixty, and he said these next five years, I'm I'm praying that I will have uh, as much influence over the next five years as I've had over the previous forty. And he mm. and he shared something I thought was really great. He said. Um, he had read an article that talked about how Usain Bolt, we all know Usain Bolt, fastest man to ever walk on the earth, probably. Um, he, Usain Bolt um, is the only sprinter in history, Mike. They, they've done this, you know, time-lapse photos and everything. He is the only video. He's the only guy who has ever been accelerating at the finish line. Every other sprinter that has ever run is incremental incrementally getting slower when they get to the tape. Usain Bolt is is still accelerating through the tape. And and Mark said that's my that's my that's my hope is that I am accelerating through the tape as I finish my you know career here. And, and as I think about that and I told Mark I said look what you need to remember is Usain Bolt goes and puts on the track suit and he gets ready for another race. He does take a little rest, but he's getting ready for the 200 and he goes and dominates. That's right. That's right. As I think about this, even next season of my life, I want to, I want to, I want to be found guilty of accelerating through the tape at whatever point I have. I think it's just a great visual picture for all of us. And then I would say on the faithful part, um, that's the finish well, but the, but the integrity and the faithful part, I would actually talk about the girl's granddad. My wife's father was a farmer. And he died on uh, a Friday. This was four years ago. He died on a Friday. And my, my daughter, who's actually having this grandchild, she got married two days later and we mm. buried him on Monday. So it was a wild weekend. If you think about that, that's been four years ago. Uh, he was, he was, a he had a pretty big farm, a couple thousand acre farm cattle. He, he raised catfish. 
and he, but but primarily he was a forester at heart. He he was a pine tree farmer. He yeah. loved forestry. Well, last year he he's been gone three years. Last year we harvested pine trees that he had planted thirty years ago off this farm. And when I think about uh, our our lives, and you start beginning to think about what will your legacy be, he's been gone. And there's still fruit being reaped from the way he lived his life and the choices that he made. And so, man, there's nothing that I would pray more is that, that than that I would be known as a man of integrity who was faithful, who loved his family as much as he, more than he loved anything else other than his God. And, and ultimately that he finished well, he was, he was accelerating through the tape. Uh, I'll be running slower. Hopefully I'll get to be old enough to run slower, but, but in my spirit, you know, it's almost right. like Caleb in the Bible at 80, he's like, give me the hill country. Give me the hardest part. If people don't know that they should go read that story. It's really yep. great. When, when they're dividing up the land, Josh was, Josh was up and Caleb said, give me the hardest part. I'll go, I'm going to go kick their tail. I mean, at 80, he's still got that spirit. And so I, I just love that picture. And so, man, I hope old Randad will be, be one that's remembered as, as, you know, reaping and sowing you 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 do reap what you sow but you don't reap until later than you sow and most of the time we 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 never know what value we've added to people and so hopefully hopefully all of our lives anybody listening will understand what you're doing now i've got a i've got a friend of mine he's 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 kind of coaches me and he says what's now is always about what's later Mm. and so Mm. what we do now is going to position us for you know impact later and and so yeah that's it i mean that's a long answer but i uh i mean i want to be found faithful running through the tape and don't don't we all i hope you enjoyed that time with randy you know the word that i thought of while randy and i were talking and i reflected back on that conversation was the word stretched randy is a guy who stretches you he makes you think he makes you wrestle he makes you grapple with tough things that we may not want to handle in the moment, but we need to get our arms around. And man, I always leave my conversations with Randy stretched and encouraged. Thank you so much, Randy Gravitt. And I'm so glad he's got a leadership podcast now that we all can listen into. So make sure that you stop and subscribe. All the information is there in your show notes so you can learn how to find your way to all of Randy's great resources. While our next episode, we sit down with another podcast host. This one, however, has a really, really different story. In fact, we learn from him that no matter where you are and no matter what you're facing, God can see you through and nothing that you will ever go through is ever wasted. We get to sit down with the Nothing Is Wasted podcast host, Davey Blackburn, and hear his amazing story of life, of redemption, and forgiveness. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. So make sure and invite some friends to join along with you, share this episode. And once again, thanks for tuning in today. And I pray that you go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. 
Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 